everybody. It's Becky from Buzzing About Romance. Hi, everybody. Um, Leah's here, too. And with us on this episode of Buzzing About Romance is Heather Roberts. She is the founder and COO of Elwood's PR and Marketing. Our topic for this episode is book reviews versus book reports. What goes into a good book review? Why book reviews are important? Who are you writing your book review for? And also, I'm going to dabble a little bit into rating books. Uh, we'll just touch briefly on the five-star rating system and why I hate it. Like, hate <laughs> it. Um, welcome to the podcast, Heather. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, too. Um, so, yeah. So, we're going to talk uh, book reviews. Let's first talk about what goes into a good book review. Sure. Well, I mean, I'll start. Um, so I used to blog and I started as a blogger prior to um, the, the PR marketing firm. So it really gave me an insight into what authors wanted um, for reviews. A lot of my reviews started to get picked out and little pieces would get shared, which I know bloggers, I loved it when that happened to me. So I know that bloggers love it when it happens to them. Um, and so I think that that's the real question. Like what makes an author say, oh, I want to choose that snippet uh, to promote my book. And because it also does help the blogger, it gets your, you know, notoriety up and your exposure out there. And ultimately then people will then go to your blog to read your reviews. Um, so, you know, what is in a good book review? I think the biggest thing is to tell me why you loved it. Don't tell me what happened in the book. I don't want to know the step-by-step -step synopsis that's usually what the blurb is for. That's, you know, that's not why I'm coming to see what happened, um, you know, in, in the book. I wanna know how did it make you feel? You know, what type of emotion did it evoke? Would I tell a friend to read it? Uh, it should, is this the one I wouldn't tell anyone about? <laughs> why or why not? <laughs> uh, would I tell everyone or no one? Why? And then, you know, does this review help tell someone why I liked or disliked the book is does it serve a purpose yeah I often try to tell people like if you had a physical copy of the book in your hand <laughs> and someone asked you oh was that a good book what would you tell them about that book like your girlfriend why should she be reading this story you know was there steamy in it do you need to prep her for the fact that this is a little bit of a spicier romance story because I mean mainly we're focused on romance but right. what I do not want is my 12-year-old's book report. Right. And if I'm you wouldn't mind, I'm, I would love to jump in here with a, a small example. Sure. Of, I, I pulled some reviews. They're old. So like the books are older is what I mean. The, these are not new releases. These are maybe four or five years old, something like that. Um, so I just, as an example, and we're good with cursing on here. That's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. We're fine. I apparently had quite a filthy mouth in my reviews as I was going through them. <laughs> Not that I don't now, but I just was a little surprised at myself. So anyway, this is for Absolution by Stevie J. Cole and L.P. Lavelle. This is a dark romance and you will soon understand. I don't even need to tell you that because you could read my review and you will know. So <laughs> here, here is my review for Absolution by Stevie J. Cole and L.P. Lavelle. This is the most fucked up book I have ever read. This is more fucked up than that time I read feminist fantasies for funsies. This is so motherfucking dark, you need to read it with a flashlight. And I loved it. 
Some people say that, oh, this book is dark, heed the warning. No, 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 no. I've read some of those books and yes, they have dark elements, but this is like a magical fucked up world of dark where everything is level lunatic. Killing is okay, sort of, just don't do it in Ezra's backseat. And yet you're still rooting for the main characters to fall in love. Absolution is sort of like Kill Bill, but in romance form, but it's fucking brilliant. The way in which these two authors have worked out the storyline, connected all the dots, made you understand Evie's religion and Ezra's soulless affliction, Everything made sense when nothing made sense. For that, I loved them. Reading this was like falling into the deepest pits of yourself and wondering why you're so goddamn depraved when you liked it. I, for one, shrugged. I liked it because the writing was outstanding and the story kept me hooked. This is original, outstanding, and out of control hot. Somehow, even when Ezra is owning Evie, causing her intense pain, you're just a little turned on because Evie wants it. She needs it. You want her to best Ezra. You almost want her to kill him, but then you don't because she loves him. Five stars. <laughs> okay, but oh, wait. wait, I'm sorry. There's another paragraph. I was like, man, that was a weird conclusion. <laughs> I can't explain this book except to say that you absolutely have to step out of your pretty shiny, good looking comfort zone and thrust yourself into this book. One of the most unique and best written books I've ever read. And it's crazy town. Five stars loved. <laughs> okay, but wait, how did you get that past the Amazon, like... Trolls. I bet that one did not get past I'm the pretty Amazon sure trolls. it didn't no. meet the community guidelines. No. It, it certainly did not meet community guidelines. I had to use a lot of um, other asterisks. Yeah, so I'd either use asterisks or I would change the wording so that it was something like pineapple for, and then I would put like a little asterisk, like pineapple is a curse word or something like that. I'd make it like clear. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you. Actually, That's, that gets you psyched, right? That gets that makes you want to okay. read it. And I love a darker romance. I love the Penelope Sky, you know, there's something that I kind of read quietly in the corner because there's a little <laughs> bit of a darker connotation to those types of stories when there's like potential human trafficking pieces to oh, it yeah. and sex yeah. slaves. It gets a little gets a little crazy there. Um a little dicey. But I have not read this book, and now I'm sitting here thinking, hmm, TBR, I think I'm going to have to check this out. See, that's a review that I would read and be like, I need to read this book now. Because I like I, I am a person who likes to go through reviews, just out of curiosity, because mm -hmm. especially especially a bad review, like I always read the bad reviews first to see why people didn't like them. Um, but that one, I would, I, would definitely, I would definitely pick that book up. Right. And it's because you didn't give anything away, which was gave nice. nothing away. And it was basically what I would tell somebody if they said, hey, should I read this book? <laughs> like, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> this one's next level, you know? And I feel like anybody who read that, if they're not into dark. They're going to say, oh, yeah. Okay. I'm backing this away. Is now. This is whatsoever. not for me. Yeah. 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 But if you border on that, oh, I kind of like a little crazy town and I want to dip my toes into that darker side, the way that I'm now prepared for it to be right. next level crazy, next level of darkness, and then I can make that informed decision if that's the hump I want to go over. And <laughs> so, right. and I'm pretty sure it's on my TBR list already and probably <laughs> buying on Amazon. So. Um, well, here, so let, let's do another one, okay? So that one was a dark romance and, you know, not everything is dark. So it's sometimes it's easier to write about shocking things, 
you know, the, Uh when things are super shocking, it's sometimes easier to shout and be like, ah, this is crazy and come up with nutty stuff. Um, so I've done some for, let's see, Jock Blocked. Here's Jock Blocked by Jen Frederick. It's, um, a sports romance. I believe I didn't, I, this is football. It's football. Um, and coming on memory, I believe that this is a new adult romance. Maybe. Yeah. There's something about sororities in here. So we're, I haven't read this in a while, but it is, uh, it's a college romance for my memory and, uh, about football. So Jock Blocked by Jen Frederick. This was uh, my review of it. Lucy and Maddie are a football couple headed straight to the hall of fame. Frederick writes amazingly well as per usual and delivers believable characters who I adored from the very beginning. Lucy is smart, witty, and adverse to risk. I mean, she has her reasons and they're good ones. If you even, if you have even a second of time, she'll pro con pro you faster than the executive board on prep night. Any sorority girls out there? Come on. Lucy isn't in a sorority though. She's on mock trial, which I can tell you is way more fun than actually being a lawyer. Oh my God, I'm so jaded. But really she's damn good at it. And it actually, and actually fucking loves everything having to do with crafting arguments and avoiding risk. And I sort of loved her. Maddie is the jock of your dreams. Yes, he is a man whore. Okay, he was a man whore, but he's getting a little old for that now. He's a fourth year junior and he's growing a little tiresome of the football tale that throws itself at him faster than Ace's latest Hail Mary pass. The second he sets his eyes on Lucy, he's a goner. The heat and back and forth between Maddie and Lucy is absolutely on point and completely fantastic. There's banter and tenderness, sex and feelings. It's everything you want in a college football novel, everything. Jock Block doesn't hide the love between the characters or the feelings that clearly develop. This book showcases every touch, joke, and text that makes you easily fall in love. You'll want to do your own touchdown dance after it's over and grab your own Maddie. Five stars. So, so in that one, you referenced the author's name. Is that something, so, you know, I feel like there's a fine line there. When I read a romance novel, I feel like, these authors are my friends. Like mm-hmm. they might not be. And half of them probably have restraining orders. You like to pretend me. they are. Um, but in my little own bubble, they are my friends. So of course I want right. to say, you know, Frederick, Sir Smith, or Lisa writes, you know, is that industry standard? Is that okay? Does it cross a line? Is that something reviewers, hey, you don't really need to put the author's name in it. We know who wrote it. Sure. I think there's people on both sides of that, but I personally like it because I think it really, especially in a positive review, I think if you're doing Mm -hmm. it in a negative review, it can feel like a personal attack. Um, But when you're doing it in a positive review and praising them in some way, those actually lines, I mean, I love those lines as, as a publicist because I'll pull them out and we can use them as a general review for, you know, overall the brand. Um, you know, Frederick writes amazingly well as per usual and delivers believable characters who I adored from the beginning. That's a great line about her as a brand, as opposed to just the specific book. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do that. Like, but I, I always last name, like, unless Mm -hmm. I know it's a duo and then I always first and last name. Cause then I feel like if you only last name it, then like you're leaving half of the duo out. But like, I always feel like since I don't personally know them, like I need to keep it almost impersonal in a way it's a bit professional to do it that way to to do the last name sounds a little more professional than if I were to say Jen writes amazingly well well I don't really know Jen you know like 
<laughs> it doesn't feel quite appropriate to say that. But way. I do know her. I mean, I don't. <laughs> right. But in right. my world, these are my friends. They write books for me. Of course um, they do. <laughs> just so we're all clear. These are not my <laughs> friends. I am such a weirdo. Um, so, okay. So let's talk about, so we, who are we writing these book reviews for? Because we've talked about like, you know, and we'll get to how they help authors also, but this is something that comes up a lot. Like if I write a, if I read a book and it's, it's an okay book, it's good. Maybe there was something in it that I just didn't connect with or whatever. And we'll get to all of that in a bit, but who are, as a, as anybody who reads a book, reviewing is not just for bloggers. It is not just for industry no. people. Everybody should be reviewing a book. If you have an author that you love, if you like the Michael Pattersons, if you like the Sylvia Days, write them a review because it goes and helps them a ton. But who are you really writing a review for? Is it to feed the ego of the author? Is it for other readers? Is it for the community? It should be. I mean, it is for other readers. Reviews are for readers. Uh, I encourage our clients not to read reviews that often unless I'm sending them snippets. Like, don't go into the Goodreads rabbit hole. Because um, it just, you know, authors are very close to the book. It's an emotionally right. close thing. It, it came from them. So I understand how that could have an effect. But when it comes to market, at that point, it's a product. And so readers are writing reviews uh, to share with other readers to tell them why they did or did not like this product. And that should be what the review is all about. Um, it shouldn't be just to feed the ego of the author or to try to manipulate the system in some way. It, that's an inauthentic use of the review tool um, because the tool should really be about getting a reader to find their next book and to understand you know, why you liked something or didn't. Yeah. It's, it's, I know, you know, in a way I try very hard, you know, if I loved a story, I'll message an author and say, oh my God, your book was phenomenal. I loved this. I loved your characters. But mm -hmm. when I write the review, I really do try to write it. Like I'm telling my girlfriend why she should read this book, but it's hard because you want everyone to know how much you find what this author writes to be so good. Um, and being in the industry, it kind of, it gets a little muddles. sticky. Yeah. yeah. Muddles things a little bit. Well, and I think when I'm, I think about when I'm going to look for a book to, re to read for my own personal edification, I, the, the subtitles don't always tell me the whole story, the genre, the, the, the blurb and the genre doesn't usually always tell me the whole story, especially when I'm looking for something very specific. So if I'm looking for, you know, not all small town romances, for example, are the same. Uh, mm -hmm. If I'm looking for a small town romance that has a cinnamon roll hero and a little bit of romantic suspense that's light, that doesn't have too much angst, the reviews are what's going to tell me that uh, because the reviews will have information about the writing style, the level of angst, uh, how mm -hmm. the characters interacted with one another. I'm not getting that from any place else. And so that's what I go to look for the reviews to, to rely on. Well, and it's interesting when you made that statement, like immediately there's a, I have a book that came to my, my mind. <laughs> right. And so that helps too, when you're writing a review, think about that. Think about the key points that are in that story in generalized terms. How does exactly. that help? And 
that's something that I've started to do on the blog with my reviews. And we started doing it in our quick shots of romance episodes. I break down the tropes and I put if it's part of a series um, or if it's part of a duet, because apparently I one time recommended a book to somebody and I thought they knew it was a duet. It the wasn't a duet. Surprise ever. Oh, it ended worst. on a cliffhanger, and I'm pretty oh. sure they almost like <laughs> cut me. I would have. I mean, yeah, yeah. I the worst they... is when you're reading a book and you think it's a standalone, and you get to like 75, percent and you're it's like, not. yeah, and you start realizing something is afoot here. So this <laughs> is not what I thought it was. I I am not. Like, I like a duet when the second book is already out, because then I can just bust out like 600 pages in a couple of days and I don't have to worry about it. But I am not a fan of the cliffhanger. No? No. I like a good cliffhanger. I've done well, obviously. I, I need that and instant I need to gratification. Know. Like, I need, I need to know. <laughs> yeah. I apparently pick up books not realizing they are part of duets, and then I get really <laughs> mad when I have to wait, like, four months for book two um i have a love-hate relationship with shayla black i finally have just learned that a lot of her books are duets and just be prepared but when i first found her i did not know this and it was a sad sad day for a couple days around here (laughs) it's a little bitter and angry at people i do Um, like what an author can do over a story arc with a duet or a trilogy or something like that i think that you can really develop a deep story and then there's just so many more layers right because mm -hmm. it's longer so that part is really cool but i understand what you're saying it can be yeah like i said i don't hate duets like as a whole i just i need them at the same time like can't i can't wait but leah can't wait that's just me um so tell us like oh go ahead leah so tell us a little bit about how a book review helps the author like what what purpose is it for us (laughs) besides like readers helping readers like why should a reviewer write a review for an author well they do matter so within the industry itself they they certainly matter because First of all, you putting a review will help another reader potentially pick up that book. So that's an additional potential sale. There's that. The more reviews that you have, the better the algorithm will help the author. That's why you often see authors pushing for you to get reviews up on release day, because once you get, they say it's over 50 um, reviews on Amazon, the algorithms will start feeding you a little bit better. Now, granted, is that like a magic switch? No, it's no. (laughs) like I've seen books be you know have three reviews and be in the top 100 that's Mm -hmm. only a portion of the entire thing but it will especially for lesser known authors the more reviews that you have um the the better the algorithms are going to pick you up because they recognize it as oh okay this is a product that's being reviewed a lot um additionally you need reviews for obtaining things like a BookBub. Uh, so BookBub, I'm sure many readers may be aware of it as a great service where they can find free and discounted books. Um, however, the author has to apply to BookBub to get their book featured and they have to pay a lot of money uh, to BookBub if they get chosen um, even to have their book featured in those newsletters. And one of the criteria that BookBub uses to determine who is going to you know, be chosen for those features is reviews. How many reviews does the title have? What is the, you know, what is the number? Um, 
Like, do they have a 4.7 out of five? Do they have a three out of five um, with their reviews? So the more that they're on there and the more positive reviews, obviously, the, the better your chances for things and perks like that. Uh, so reviews absolutely matter, um, notwithstanding the fact that it can open up other opportunities, you know, for authors within the industry. If, if you're applying for something, whatever it is, a, a book box or a signing or what have you, and somebody within the industry is going to look at your profile and you have lots of reviews on all of your titles, they're going to look at you rightly or wrongly, but they're going to look at you as perhaps a more established author if you have higher numbers of reviews as opposed to the lower numbers of reviews. And for somebody like an event coordinator who's looking to draw as many people to their event as possible, they're looking at that as, oh, they have that many readers who are posting reviews. And let's be honest, not every reader posts a review, so it's only a small portion. Right. If they have you know, 500 reviews on their titles, how many, they're, they're a much bigger draw to my event and therefore I'm going to invite them as opposed to the person that has five reviews on each title. Even though the book might be amazing, even they, though they might be an amazing author, these are the real life consequences of not having um, you know, reviews on your titles. Yeah. It's been interesting for me from the podcast point of view, you know, we like to feature authors of every variety, well-known mm -hmm. to the brand new. I mean, we've had a couple of, they've come on to talk about their first book in um, on the podcast. And I love that. I, I can see though, where for like an event where you're trying to draw people in, you're wanting to find the names that have a lot of following or even cult-like type following and sure. stuff. But it does, that's why like I scream and shout at everybody, give the new author on the, on the playground a chance. Yeah. <laughs> give them, give them a read because, you know, they might have something special that you're missing out because you went with the, the same old standard that we see. Over totally and over. true. And it, it's, it can be very challenging to find people to, sign up to try a new author. And that's for a variety of reasons, not necessarily because they're not interested or what have you, but they have their favorite authors. They already have their schedule going. Mm -hmm. They have their arcs planned out. They know what's what. And it's such a saturated market right now with so many. I mean, I think it will be for, you know, the foresee. I don't think it's going to get less saturated is my uh, point there. But it, it gets more challenging every year to find people who are willing to pick up uh, brand new authors because especially more established bloggers, obviously newer bloggers are more likely to help newer authors, which is great. I, I also love newer bloggers. I love older bloggers, but I think the more established ones, uh, it's a little harder because they do have set schedules um, mm -hmm. and they already know the authors that they love and support. And it's really hard to, to sneak a new person in there. Yeah. Even when the book's amazing. Well yeah, if you are a blogger and you're listening to us, seriously, give the new ones a try. It's give them a try. I found some of my like honestly, some of my favorite authors like are newer authors just because they have that knack for storytelling. And it's just somebody that I randomly saw on like a sign up list and I was like, this blurb sounds really interesting. I'm gonna give it a yeah. try. Yeah, I'm more of a, especially when I was blogging too, but I was definitely a, let me look at the the blurb, let me see what it's about. And the author never, name didn't usually sway me, um, you know, I, neither there here or there. It was more about the book itself for me. Yeah, yeah. 
for me, there's lots of established authors. If the blurb, like there was an author that just released a book that I really like. I typically read all her stuff. However, she wrote a love triangle. Mm. Yeah. Can't do it. No, thank you. I'm, I'm sure it's delightful. I'm sure it's very good. It's just not my cup of tea. Um, but here's my problem. The title catches me. And then sometimes I sign up for the book without like reading the blurb because like the title has words in it that are keywords for me that, you know, are my kinks, so to speak. Right. Right. Or a, a really freaking cute cover. I know I'm on the fence about illustrated covers, but if you give me a really stinking cute cover, I'm probably signing up and I end up loving the book typically, but yeah, I don't always read the blurbs. <laughs> well, but I'm, I'm the opposite though. Cause like I, if I don't like a cover, even if I like the blurb, sometimes I won't sign up because like you're, I don't know why, but like, I like a good cover. Like well, I'm really, it, it, I yeah, was an art you, major you don't in like college, so it, that's part of my problem. <laughs> Yeah, if it doesn't call to you, that that can be hard. And that's the thing. Like, I'm a very visual person. And so, like, if I find a cover that, like, it just, it doesn't do it for me, then, like, I'll, eventually, like, I'll get to it. But it goes on the back burner. I do. That affects my mind, too. Because I'll have people be like, oh, you have to read this book. And then I go and I look at it and I'm like, in my mind, it says boring. For some Mm -hmm. reason, my mind just, like, switches to boring. And so then I either put off reading it. But ultimately, when I usually read it, it's great. So like when those situations where the cover just doesn't pop, it my mind puts a boring yeah, switch on exactly. it. Exactly. And then I'm frustrated because like I pushed it off so long and I was like, right. why didn't I do this? But Well, I actually just had that. I read 40 Love by Olivia Dade and it's kind of, it's an illustrated cutesy cover. And the other thing was people were talking about it, how good a book it was, but it wasn't like... I was hesitant because there were issues in it that if they weren't done well, they were going to really bug the crap out of me. So I put it off and I put it off and then I read it this week and I still have a little bit of a book hangover from it because it was that freaking good. Yeah. So, but anyway, so tell us how do book reviews help authors? So they're really for the readers, but, oh, we just did that, didn't we? Yeah, we we did. We're on, we're on. What do the effects of a bad book review have on an author? Just ignore Becky. Really? Why is she here? (laughs) Well, so yeah, so actually I was just talking about this the other day with somebody. It's, it feels, it's funny to me. It feels like this whole week is, uh, I've been talking about reviews uh, all week, which I'm not upset about, but it's just, it's been coming up over and over. So yeah, bad reviews, you know, they're going to lower the rating on Amazon, which lowers how much they circulate the title. And if the top review is a bad review with a lot of helpful little check marks on it, it absolutely affects sales in a negative way, unless the content of such negative review is something like, there was too much cursing and sex in it, one star. I mean, that's going to help sell the book, but if it's a negative review that actually has some substance to it, that has been upvoted by the community, that that's going to impact the title negatively uh, when it comes to sales. And then also if the book, but as far as how much negative impact it has depends on how many reviews are already on that title. So if there's 10 reviews on the title and you come in with your one star review, you're going to drop that rating down substantially lower. You know, it's going to take a hit onto that title's overall rating. 
as opposed to if you hopped on to a book and gave a one-star review to one that has 250 reviews on it, that's mm -hmm. not necessarily going to impact it in the same way. Now, I, I personally will not review a book below a three-star. If I didn't like it, I just won't review it. Do yeah. you feel like that is something that is okay or like, cause I, I don't like putting like the negativity out there. Cause it's like they, <coughs> authors work really hard on their books just because I didn't like it does not mean other people didn't. And honestly, like if there's too much sex or something, like, why are you reading it anyway? Like, <laughs> exactly. I think it depends on what, what were your issues with the book? If it was mm -hmm. a personal reason, I, I start books sometimes and I'm like, this just either my mood isn't right mm -hmm. or I'm just not feeling it for some reason, or maybe I just really hate the content. It's just not my jam. Um, you know, then I'll stop the book and, and move on and find something else that I do want to read. The only time I personally ever gave a one-star review is when I felt that the book was being misrepresented mm -hmm. um, as one thing, and then I read it and it was something else. Okay. And that's that's the times that I'll I'll give a really scathing review, or at least I did. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of them out there. If you can go find them, they're pretty funny too. Um, but my point with them was not to say like you author wrote a terrible book and yeah. you should be like thrown into the depths of like writing hell for it. No, it was, you know, the point was either to point out discrepancies that other people were saying were amazing that I could not understand why, right. um, or to maybe point out issues within the plot line itself or issues with the story and be mm -hmm. constructive about it. Um, I remember asking, I, there was one title, I honestly cannot remember the name of it, um, for the life of me now. And I don't even know if it was a one star, it could have been a two, but it was touted as like a small town contemporary romance. And then when I read it, the whole thing had to, it was small town, I'll give it that. Um, but it just, it was an inspirational um, religious romance uh, that, well, it, it wasn't in the religious romance category, but I felt after reading it, that it had a lot of religious connotation and should have been placed in inspirational mm -hmm. religious romance uh, based upon my review of that book or my, my read of it. And I just, I felt like it was completely misrepresented to me. I, I thought I was going to get a lot of sexy times. I thought the way that it was pitched to me. And then I read it and it was about, you know, alcoholism and recovering from it, which is, you know, obviously not that was great, but it wasn't and then a lot of religious component that went along with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't, I was not, I would not have picked that book up if I, if I had known that obviously right. beforehand. Um, so things like that, when you get, you know, the misrepresentation where you, the expectations are not there. That's a better right. way of saying it. So okay. re, you're, you're setting up reader expectations with how you're presenting. I was not the right reader for that particular book at that particular time. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other mm -hmm. readers out there who want that kind of book. I'm sure maybe somebody was looking for that style of book with the alcoholism and the religious components and all that would have maybe helped them and inspired them in, the, in what it was trying to do. But if you don't market it correctly and talk about it correctly, you're going to end up with these negative reviews because it's all about reader expectation and what are you presenting to them. And that's when a lot of times we get into talk about trigger warnings and things like that because it's all part of setting up a reader expectation. And I don't 
I go, but I don't necessarily personally think that uh, you need a trigger warning on a dark book. I think that you can get across the fact that it is a dark trope or a dark romance without specifically putting a trigger warning um, right. in the description. Uh, but I understand why some people do it and, you know, I don't begrudge them for it at all. Uh, but I think that those are the types of things that you have to think about as an author is how am I going to set up the reader expectations for this book so that I can make sure that I'm pulling in readers who actually want to read my books and aren't going to give me a low star rating. Cause that's usually when it happens. Usually it ha the, the negative stars or negative stars, not that you can give negative ones. I'm sure people would if they could, but the low star ratings are because the, for whatever reason, it was a mismatch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can only think of twice that I have rated low. Typically I take the thing. If you can't say something nice, don't say something at all. Um, yeah. So below a three star, I typically just don't say anything because that book yeah. just wasn't for me at that moment. But I can think of twice that I did go ahead and write a review publicly and out there. And one was because, and, and this is probably just me, there were so, it was a higher end author, meaning someone that's been around a while, that is yep. mass published, who had storyline inconsistencies. You know, at one point it was mentioned that the main character, the hero had a brother. Later on, or he later on he was an only child. Later on it was a sister oh. with a niece. And it was such a bad edit job. And I had messaged to the author, emailed them their to their to their PA and said, hey, you might want to do another read of this to make sure you've gotten all of these because this is bad. The response back was, we stand behind what was released to you. And it wasn't an early edition. It was a book I purchased. So it wasn't an arc where I know that there's still anything, edits. Right. This was something I had purchased the book. And I would have bought the paperback, which I don't paperback at all. Everybody knows that, but he doesn't paperback. <laughs> this is a book paperback. that... I would have bought this paperback because I have a couple of the others. And after that, I was like, okay, you know what? People need to know that this is a terrible edit. And whoever right. copy edited this book, whoever developmental edited this book, they need freaking fired because it's bad. And then the other one was, again, it had to do with storyline issues. And the book was being misrepresented and missold. And it was just trash. Like, right. and I rarely say that about a book, but... So this brings me to stars because Becky hates star ratings because again, I hate them too. Again, like you said, not every book is for everybody. And, right. and so we've started in our quick shots of romance. We went away from the five star rating. Part of yeah, it was. We, we started doing a, would you recommend this book type thing? I like and it. Like who would you recommend it to? Yeah. And who is this book for? Because we were approached by um, a publisher that do, their books tend to go to Hallmark movies. So the Debbie Macomer-esque books. And they wanted to send us a bunch of books. And I was like, okay, well, this isn't typically my jam. Sweet Romance isn't really my jam. However, mm -hmm. I know that there is a large market of people that who love them. Love them. Yeah. Love the wow. Debbie Macomer, the sweet romance of things. And so even though it's not something that I'm going to purchase and buy or one click on, it there is a market for it. So as somebody who says that I want to build up all of romance, all the pieces of romance, I need to read a variety of these. So we yes. read them. 
But if I would have rated it on my typical, do I like it? What's great in it? What works? What was it missing kind of scale? I wouldn't have rated it as high because it's not something, again, that I'm going to go read. But I do know that there are people that love a sweet romance a little more. Well, that line of women's fiction. Right. And that's right, what we're talking about in objective review versus a subjective review, mm-hmm. because a lot of times that's what I have to do now. in in my position um, is I really try to be objective about things. And when I read, you know, samples of work with potential new clients coming in, or I'm reading our clients books or pieces of it or whatever, I'm not thinking about does Heather like this. I'm thinking about, is this marketable? to a specific reader, you know, and is how do we market have a good it? audience? Right. Is this the audience? Is this written? Well, is it, you know, have good flow is the storyline not have a million plot holes like mm-hmm. Becky is pointing out or messed up. And you're looking at it from, is this objectively good as opposed to subjectively, do I like this? Which is a very different way of thinking. And so, yeah, the, the five-star system doesn't really work. Um, you know, I was saying the fact that some reviewers, their three star is like somebody else's five star mm-hmm. and, you know, cause there's nothing attached to the three star review. It's not like you clicked three stars because you thought it was average and acceptable. It's like, no, some people click three stars because it's amazing. And then four and five stars are left for those, you know, like golden you know the book hangover books right like the super special ones well and that's something that i have found too you know it gets so easy five stars five stars but i'm devaluing my review if every book i'm given is five stars because Mm -hmm. not every book is a five star so then in my brain i created this whole little checklist if it's something i would reread is it something i would recommend you laugh at me creating in my little brain but we know how this works for becky you don't like to reread anything i (laughs) I don't have time to reread anything but if she could if she did have the time would she (laughs) i have zero time to reread anything i mean seriously but there are books I mean, in my have life. Time. You just go down rabbit holes of other well, things. Oh, yeah, that's life then I, now. Then I get other books and <laughs> life is like, a perpetual rabbit hole. <laughs> it is. I spend six hours on TikTok and you know, whatever. Um, okay, so let's talk about spoilers and reviews. Um some yeah. authors like, well, spoiler review spoilers and maybe trigger warnings, because we know there are authors that do not want trigger warnings. In their reviews because they count them as spoilers. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we need detailed trigger warnings, but there are some books. We had a recent situation where a book, um, some of our people were reading it for our reading challenge for the month. And there was, it was a love triangle. It was rape. It was like gun violence. And there were no trigger warnings on this book. Could you tell from the blurb like that any of that no. stuff was involved? No. See that that's when it gets that's when it gets worrisome because you have no. to set up the reader expectation. You have to prepare people. And they if thought you're they not were going getting to... a sports romance. They thought they a were just getting romance. a sports romance. Well, and if you're not and... going to prepare people, then you have then you yourself have to be prepared for people being upset about that. You can't and have like, it both ways. The, <laughs> the trigger warning that they had on it was like they're 
I think at the very bottom of the blurb, it was like there's mild domestic abuse or domestic situations. Like in it, from what everybody was, I've never read it, but everybody that was buddy reading it were like, this is not mild anything. Like, yeah. and I don't think any of them finished it. Like, fully. no, they all DNF'd it. And the, everyone kept, and really the actual love story portion didn't happen until the last 40. 35 to 40% of the book. Like it was the first half of the book was all the buildup and all this trauma and they mm -hmm. resolved it in 40 to 35. And to me going back, cause I looked at the title and I went back and looked at reviews. There weren't tons of reviews that mentioned all of these issues because this is an author <clears throat> that does not want you to trigger warning or put spoilers of her books in your reviews if she gives you an advanced copy. So, so it's this line. Yeah, here's here's my take on it. I mean, you have to be careful as an author because you can't tell somebody what they can and cannot put in their review. You really can't. True. Legally speaking, um, you, that you are providing a book and you are requesting an honest review in exchange for that book. That is where that stops. So I cannot, if I give out an arc uh, to a reviewer and they absolutely hate it and they want to blast it across social media, that is entirely their right. Uh, I may not give them that author's book in the future, but I cannot do anything about a negative review uh, that, you know, is being splashed around because that that's not, you can't control reviews. So it makes me a little, you know, uncomfortable um, when... <laughs> authors start dictating what they do or do not want in the, the reviews. I don't think there's any problem with um, asking reviewers to, if it's a negative review, I, I'd never say a star rating personally, because I like, I, we had that just con conversation there. Mm -hmm. um, you can have a five-star review that apparent that has like negative content in it. So I always say, if it's negative content, we ask that you hold the review off during the, the author's release week um, and give it a chance to, you know, see what it does. And then obviously if you still want to post it, you're, it's your review, you're welcome to do with what you want. Um, and it's a request. And at the same token, if an author says, I really don't want, you know, X, Y, spoil, we do ask that you not post spoilers just because going back to the beginning, this is not a book report. This is a review where we're asking how it, how it made you feel. And if you're giving away the whole plot of the book, that's not a review. That's, that's, not a good review anyway. Um, but the whole, you know, when you start getting and start poking at reviews constantly and over and over and saying, you can't post this, you can't post that. It, you know, is it really a review at that point? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'll tell you, there's a couple of authors that were very clear. They did not want spoilers in their review and um which i think is legit i i understand you know that is legit right. i don't i don't want spoilers and reviews either and they contacted me a couple of different authors contacted me and felt that my reviews spoiled their books and actually wanted me to take my reviews down yes yeah, that and yeah i um i said no and honestly i do not sign up for their books anymore if i want right. to read their books i buy them and then I'm not beholden to not spoiling it. If, Absolutely. If, what, if you purchase a book and you want to go and spoil it, is it in maybe poor reader form? Sure. But it's well, yeah, sure, super go ahead. bitchy to do it. <laughs> right. But, well, Betty, and I don't, but, you know. 
And I'm, I mean, I'm pretty petty, but I don't spoil this author's books. Um, but I, you know, I just, it was kind of like, okay, listen, if you're going to go and check every review I write, and then you want to dictate what I put in the review, mm, no, you don't pay me. No, right. thank you. I don't want your book anymore. I mean, at the end of the day, reviewers, you're doing a, you're doing a favor to mm-hmm. authors. I mean, because we just discussed all of the benefits author get authors get from having high numbers of reviews on release day. And so there, that has to be thought of when you're talking to your review team or asking people to read your book because nobody is required to do that. At the same time, reviewers are not entitled to review certain books. And, you know, I feel like no... I feel like everybody needs to realize that everybody's doing everybody a favor. So let's just be a little nicer to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, kindness this, goes we, a long way. Yeah. Like this all makes the circle go around. Like there's no real reason to be super jerky or bitchy about any aspect no. of this. I'm asking you for, to review a book as a favor and you're doing it as a favor to me. I, that should be the end of it. Well, and, and we it should, and that's, intentions. <laughs> you know, and that's something too, and it's a, probably a conversation for another day is I, you know, I've never personally understood the competitiveness feeling between bloggers like, oh, well, I got that book and, you know, another blogger being like, well, I didn't get a copy of that. Okay. Sorry. Go buy the book. I mean, or I'm sorry you didn't get the little author swag pack. The stuff doesn't matter to me. It's not why I'm in it. Um, right. So I don't, I don't personally understand it, but I'm also not seriously, if there's something I want, I'm going to just go buy it. That's just who I am. Um, I might covet your beautiful, you know, pretty sparkly purse, but if I love it that much, I'm just going to go buy it. I don't expect you to give me one. I mean, that's just the way it is. Well, exactly. Exactly. So, and I, yeah, I feel like some of Obviously not everybody, but there are certainly situations and in which some people feel entitled that they should get certain things or be treated a certain way. And, you know, I just, this community is about and should be about empowering other writers and, you know, really lifting each other's, each other up and helping each other because a rising tide lifts all boats, you know, cross promote with one another bloggers as well as you know authors well and the fact of the matter is this is a community of mostly women Mm -hmm. and romance is already like we're already the redheaded stepchild of literature people like we need to like stop putting people in the corner and just build them up and that that's why that's why i started doing the podcast that's why i started the blog because I am 99% a romance reader. You know, I dabble in nonfiction every once in a while or women's fiction, but the 99% of what I read is romance. And I want people to realize that there is power in romance, the amazingness in romance. And we as a community need to mirror the romance, you know, mirror the amazingness. So anyway. And there's so many different kinds of romance books. I mean, that you have like, you're really quick and dirty sort of, I call them mind erasers um, because I'm reading them just to like clear my mind. It's like a palate cleanser. Um, And then there's like the more, the deeper romance books where they have layers of story and like, then there's gritty adventure romance books and there's the ugly cry books. And there's just so many pieces of romance and to brush it all with one 
you know, general generic brush it's just it, that's just not nope. fair to the genre and people just trash the whole thing without knowing anything about it. Yep. The love. Everybody deserves the happily ever after and romance yep. is for everyone. So I but agree. thank you. Thank you, Miss Heather, for joining us and talking book reviews with us. Yeah, thank we you, Heather. Appreciate Absolutely. you so much. Thank you for having me. This was super fun. So this week in the romance buzz, um, we're going to just kind of give you some updates about buzzing about romance. Um, first things first, we are launching a newsletter. I don't know. Cause Leah likes newsletters. I do. She likes I to like do to them. put together a newsletter. It's fun. I, so we, I, we are launching, but Becky is just going to say yay or nay. Listen, Becky put the little button on the website. So that's what you need to know. You need to go to buzzingaboutromance.com. On the right-hand side, scroll down, and you will see the newsletter sign up. So yes. sign up and join our newsletter. You can, I think it's only going to be a once-a-month newsletter, people. We are not going to spam your email boxes. Unless you request us to spam your inbox, and then maybe we will start doing that. But well, to start out, we're just doing once a month. Okay. So once-a-month newsletter, you can sign up on our website. Uh, I think our goal is April 1st for our first newsletter to head out that is the goal um and then so we have started something new this last week um i guess it was two weeks ago when this episode drops um i personally have been spending some time in a podcast conference learning all i can learn and one of the big things that i've learned about is making sure we're engaged with our audience and they know what we're doing and what's going on um and we try really hard to make the podcast a community for everybody. So once a week, Wednesdays, 10 a.m., Leah and I are going live on Instagram and doing a weekly check-in. We're just going to tell you what episodes or events we have going on that week. Um, so you can kind of keep up to date as to all our chaos, right? Try at least. Try. <laughs> There's a lot of chaos. Um. <laughs> And so we are going to do our weekly check-in about what we're reading. I have recently done a deep dive into the Lanny Lynn Vale world um, and read all 12 of her SWAT Generation 2.0 books. Um, book 12, which is Depends on Who's Asking, was released um, February 25th in 2021. So the, this series is newer. I have not went down the rabbit hole of every other series of Lanny Lynn Vale yet, but it's coming. Don't worry. Um, and then next up for me is I'm going to read Call Me Crazy by Melanie Harlow. And that's her Be Bellamy Creek. Beth Bellamy Creek. That's Bellamy the third Creek. book. And it's yeah. a fake relationship. It is a fake relationship. Awesome. Awesome. What are you reading, Becky? Um, so I am finishing up Eye Candy by Jiffy Kate. Uh, we're going to drop a quick shot of romance review episode of that uh, this Tuesday. And then um, I'm going to start Come Again, which is our, it's again by Jiffy Kate. Uh, that's our drunk book club pick for March. So there we have drunk book club March 13th. And I'm so excited. It's going to be a good time. I love them. They're so funny. I watch uh -huh. them on TikTok. They're so funny. I love they, them. They had a couple really funny ones they posted recently. I just sat there like and checked them out. 
And then notable upcoming releases, um, More Than a Game by Bella Matthews. This is her sophomore effort, um, and it is being released on March 11th. And then I am a big Penny Reed fan, and her Solving for Pi, which is Jen, Cletus and Jen from the Winstons originally, their Mysteries Book 2, Marriage and Murder, is coming out on this, it comes out on the 2nd. So, okay, I have a question about these books. I I haven't read these ones yet, oh, so okay. I don't know, but I'm excited to read them. So is it like a mystery, more like a woman's fiction mystery of the that these two characters solve, or is it its own happily ever after? Like, is I this think... a romance of two other characters? Because we got Cletus and Jen's story. I think it's just like the two of them. that's Beard Science, right? Beard Science is their story? Ooh. Maybe. I can't remember. Okay. They all kind of blend together. It's a beard of some sort. But I need um, to know these things. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it is just Cletus and Jen like solving mysteries. Cause I like I said, I haven't read the first one, but the blurb for this one, like they're going into their engagement party and like okay. there's all these happenings that like they're trying to figure out. Okay. And I think it's just Cletus like dealing with his little So it's things. more it's like Cletus. a more of a continuation type story and just a little yeah i'm sure that like everybody else has pulled in um like i said i have to read them it's it's on my tbr of course because it's penny reed and i just love all things smarty pants romance that's fine no i just was curious how it all went because i was like you i mean i feel like i had their story Mm mm-hmm but I guess now it's. But the... can you get enough of Cletus ever? No, like... he's kind of such a kooky character, and I I do like him. He's I'm a fan. I like, he's my favorite. Like when he talks about like his making sausage and all that stuff, and it's just it's <laughs> such a dirty joke. But he's not being funny at the same time. No, because he's the one that's on the spectrum a little bit. So I, yeah, I mean it's never clearly stated that he is, but you think you pretty much feel like he is. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I am reading our notable releases coming up. Act Your Age, Eve Brown by Talia Hibbert. Um, I know that she has a ton of fans and people love her. And I'm actually really light on arcs. I am too. Just because of all the chaos that happened end of January, February, I didn't really sign up for a lot. And I have some work things going on. So, yeah. Um. And then I have Check Swing by Carrie Ahrens. This is a baseball book. And uh, Minnesota Hockey Mom and I are gathering our baseball books. Uh, So I need to read. So if you are listening right now and you have a baseball romance that you love, tweet it at us. Facebook it to us. Instant message it us. Tell us. Tag us in the post about the baseball books. Because we need them all the rest. baseball light right now. Yeah, we're going to do a baseball all-star episode later in the baseball season. So I need all the baseball romance I can get. And then special shout out to author Julia Jarrett. She is releasing the first book of her Westmont Island novella series. It is Falling Fast. This is a three-book novella about three sisters. Um, The first one comes out on March 9th. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's what we've got. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Cheers. And until next time. Until next time. Bye, everybody. 
Find us on Instagram at buzzingaboutromance or on Twitter at buzzingromance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes. 